0: Welcome to route the podcast of the First Responder Behavioral Health Institute. The First Responder Behavioral Health Institute is bringing together some of the most inspiring and dedicated change agents in the global public safety, psychotherapy, and educational communities. Each episode of EnRoute seeks to bring together first responder change agents and clinicians dedicated to constructively disrupting the status quo by tackling the tough subjects like first responder suicide, post-traumatic stress, moral injury, sanctuary trauma, leadership development, critical incident response, peer support teams, and what it means to be psychologically safe and healthy while working in an unsafe world. please stand by. The in-route podcast is about to begin. You can resume normal traffic on this channel after this transmission. Welcome to this edition of InRoute. I'm Joseph Brigandi. Thank you for joining us. Today, we have an opportunity to visit with a very unique firefighter paramedic. Over 1 million people would say he's the funniest firefighter on YouTube, with the possible exception of Firefighter Fenton but most of you know him as the brilliant mind behind Fire Department Chronicles and as the spokesperson for Fire Department Coffee. It's my extreme pleasure to welcome the comedic genius and the gentle soul that is Jason Patton to this episode of InRoute. Jason Patton, welcome to this episode of en Route. It's uh, great to have you here.
1: I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you. For the three people in the first responder community who don't know who you are and, and what you do. Tell us a little bit about your background, sir.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so I've been a firefighter for 15 years, a paramedic for 17. I, uh, Jumped into, I was actually a mechanic well before I became a firefighter through happenstance. A buddy told me about EMT school. I went to EMT school and like fell in love with the human anatomy and how the body works and collateral blood flows and all these insane things. And uh, quickly followed up with paramedic. I actually graduated EMT on a Friday, started paramedic on a Monday. Would not recommend that to uh, anybody. And, uh, And then followed up with fire school and it's just been... It's been an adventure. And then uh, 2016, I started something called Fire Department Chronicles, which has uh, kind of uh, got me onto incredible podcasts like this.
0: Thank you. Fire Department Chronicles. We love it. Uh, It's hysterical uh, and very, very relevant. I very much appreciate it. But uh, part of me says that didn't uh, just happen naturally, that there might be some training behind that. Do you have a theater background? I've always wanted to ask you any improv training or anything at all.
1: Nothing. I, uh, have, yeah, just taught myself through watching my own expressions, learning micro expressions. I took two acting classes, uh, when I was thinking about doing some, some like commercials or attempting to get into that field and just didn't, uh, Taking the classes, I was like, "This is great," but I don't know how wh- how much I want to dive into it. And just kind of taught myself a little bit more of how to express through eyes and emotions. And I love improving. I've never got into improvisation. Uh, I. I might want to do it at some point in time in my life. And I always say uh, stand-up comedy is something that I think I could do well at, but I'll never do it because I, <laughs> I don't want to. And I could just, I'm, I'm just going to say to myself, I would have sold out arenas, so I can live in that fantasy land and it'd be good.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, your scenes, you write so many great skits. Do you do your, all of your own writing or do you have some assistance with that?
1: No, I I do all my own writing, the uh directing, editing. I I do all the parts. It's it's I I love having other people act. So Fire Department Coffee, you'll see the the larger productions. We have multiple people acting because, you know, Firefighter Fenton, the guy with the big mustache, he brings a whole different character that I could never do, uh, especially like his high-pitched screams are absolutely hysterical to me and I, and I could never pull that off. And uh, we started working with a new guy named Fireman Lance and then uh, a bunch of people from Fire Department Coffee, Natalie, Josh, they all just bring characters that I could never do. Uh, but I love doing them. Um, I love playing the multiple characters myself sometimes because it's just, it's fun trying to capture what that individual will be experiencing and then one minute later have to play the opposite part. So I, I enjoy the challenge. It's fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, you do great work with it. Um, right. You know, you're a natural, I guess uh, they say. Um, you know, it took uh, uh, years of comedy improv training for me, and I'm still not funny. Uh, I'm so- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, am so –
0: I'm so funny. I became a therapist and realized it was time to let this go. Um, but absolutely. So, um, Fire Department Chronicles has really taken off. Um, I see that. Uh, that's not silver behind you, that's a gold play button. Yeah.
1: That was, uh, yeah, that, that was, I never thought, so my wife and I talk about that when she and I first met, I had, uh, like 3000 subscribers on my YouTube or something along those lines. And, uh, and I, I'd always say to her, and this is four years ago or five years ago now. And I said, man, I I, like a million subscribers on YouTube. That is like the goal. Like that would be, that would be, that's, that's the pinnacle, the top, like that would be so cool to hit that. And do a lot of, uh, ups and downs and, uh, accelerations and, and stuff. I, I, I hit it and it was a very, very cool moment for, for me. So it was very fun. Yeah.
0: What are some of the inspirations either comedically or dramatically as an actor? Uh, mm-hmm. what are some of the people that, uh, have inspired you over the years and whose, whose work you enjoy? I,
1: I, you know, I, I love, I love comedy in general. I think it's just really fun, but I do truly truly uh have a great appreciation for anyone that is like exponentially great at their craft whether it is drama or firefighting or or uh, comedic you know like watching i was watching uh uh this is outside of acting but i was watching a guy the other day i cannot remember his name but he's a, a new york firefighter and he was just going over how to force a door and he was like hey this is this is number. Uh, this is number uh, three of twenty of our twenty-one series of, of forcing doors. And watching him go through this, it was just so fluid. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew what the next step was. And it was incredible, and I love that man. It's just so cool to see people that are genuinely masters at their craft. But obviously, uh, Jim Carrey was a big, uh, uh, huge for a lot of us. But watching someone like Robin Williams, uh, yeah. d- his Im- his ability to to improv, I love Kevin Hart. Uh, just he when he plays a character, he's in it, man. Uh, but on the drama side, obviously, like Leonardo DiCaprio is is, is incredible, and not in, and not because of his fame, but when that guy plays a role. Like he's in that role. And the same thing with like uh, Robert Dodd Jr., all those guys. And it's very, very cool to see, to see people. And obviously female actors, uh, I can't think of any right now, but there's uh, so many out there. You're like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Like you're so good at this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, when you uh, mentioning Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, you know, both um, um, great facial. uh, Yes actors able to go ahead and, uh, the expression, I think expressive actors, uh, and you bring that to all of your characters, some of the looks and some of the pauses on your face, uh, (laughs) just really drive your characters home, uh, and drive what you're doing home. What's that?
1: Angela Bassett is someone who, God, every time I watch her, I'm like, she's that character. That's exactly who she is. And, And the facial expression thing, that's something that the, uh, I think I figured out watching movies and then hearing podcasts and stuff talking about that. It's uh, the best example. of This is I was taking those acting classes and this uh, my t- the my teacher. She's actually a friend of mine. I grew up with her, but she said, "Hey, uh, okay, let's play shock. Like, show me what shock would look like." And I did it, but I did it like Jim Carrey. I was like. <gasps> like really like huge she's like okay let's uh bring that down a little bit <laughs> like you can express that through just a small emotion through your eyes your face and that was my cue like man sometimes just just you know a squinting of the eyes or a slight movement of your eyes can truly that can define the moment so much better than you know huge expressions
0: yeah she asked for shock and you gave her an electrocution
1: dude i gave her like she I saw her face and I knew immediately what I just did was (laughs) what she was looking for.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, So uh, are you reaching a point now? Cause you're still active duty on the trucks. You're still out there doing the job every day. Um, Mm. um, I know people in our industry know who you are on site. Um, Are you reaching a point now where you're uh, uh, pulling up at the frequent flyers house and they're like, it's the dude from the the YouTube. (laughs) Has that (laughs) happened to you yet?
1: It's actually there was, for some reason, like a two week period where it was at least one time during my shift, I was running into someone who recognized me and uh, like I'm pulling up on calls and people are like, I love your videos. I'm like, can I treat your dad? Like, is that okay? Like, like <laughs> so they uh, it's very cool, man. It's flattering. It's, it's gotten to a point where pretty much anywhere I go, someone recognizes me somewhere. Um, and thankfully, I exactly you see in the videos, you know, who, who speaking right now, this is just who I am. Like, I, I, I love making the videos. I love uh, talking to people. I love getting to know people that is that is by far like one of my my favorite things about all of this. So it's, it's been a fun experience.
0: Nice. And you're including in a lot of your videos when you do use other people, you're including active duty firefighters and police officers and first responders. Those aren't actors, aren't they? They're our brothers and sisters in in, Mm -hmm. in the industry.
1: No, I've hired one actor in my entire time of making videos, and it was this, uh, this older lady that we needed for a uh she was playing like a grandma in one of our commercials that we were making and she knocked it out of the park and it was perfect i knew exactly who I was uh, dealing with so she, she killed it and uh but no most of the time it's it's just people that uh are doing this every day and it's it's always fun watching them on the first day uh when we're trying to kind of push out all the cobwebs and uh it's there's zero pressure on the larger productions that we do so we, we love doing it
0: Yeah. Now, the older woman, if I'm recalling, this was trying to get you up in an attic to get a cat that wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. She did nail it. I remember that scene. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the future of you as an actor. Are you looking for serious dramatic roles or are you? uh, you I've considered it.
1: I've. Uh, I think because those dramatic roles take so much to be able to do them properly and express the emotions appropriately. Uh, I, I. I'm in a very happy place where I get to do the job that I love every day. You know, I, I love. I love being a firefighter. I love being a medic, um, and I get to do that. And then this is fun. I enjoy this I'm not looking at it for my financial well-being which is which is amazing uh so I do i've expressed because I was in a i, I was there, uh, people were nice enough to fly me out to Seattle recently and uh put a very short very short piece in a movie um but I said to them hey man I'd love to try some dramatics at some point in time and the guys like if if we produce another movie that i that he had already had an idea about um uh, we'd love to have you try out for it and I mean I'm never offended if I'm not good at it, man. Then I'm totally okay with people telling me, "Nah, that, that wasn't good." i be like, okay, I get it, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm I'm always up for everything. I think it would be fun.
0: I think I recall seeing you on a news segment in the last year or so. Did you get? Mm-hmm. You're starting to get called in to do news pieces.
1: So, yeah, uh, actually, I was just on one recently about the, the coffee club of the month that we're doing that raises money for the uh, individual fire department that we're highlighting. And, uh, yeah, I've been on a few newscasts. I've, I've got to work with this guy, Antron Brown, who uh, drives for the NHRA. We've been on a few Fox commercials together. And uh, it, it's been a very, very, very cool adventure, man. It's been uh, something I never thought it would become. But uh, I'm enjoying the the ride. I, I always say to people, uh, they're, you know, this will end one day. I will not be relevant any longer. And, uh, but I'll enjoy it as long as I do man. <laughs> So that's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> there you go. Now, one of the things that you do is you represent Fire Department Coffee. One of the things that it does is it represents the fire service and first responders. What are some of the things that uh, Fire Department Coffee stands for, represents, and and helps our first responders with?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, Fire Department of Coffee was founded in 2016, right around when I uh, founded Fire Department Coffee, or Chronicles, and uh, I'm the vice president now, part owner. And uh, we—it's from the, from our inception—we wanted to make sure that we were making high-quality premium coffee for hardworking men across uh, men and women across the world. But we wanted to have a give back portion. That's that's been from the inception of it. So uh, we we're uh, veterans. So it's actually veteran-owned. Uh, the CEO is a Navy veteran. We're firefighter-run. Uh, at least fifty percent of the people that work for our, our uh, coffee or our company are either retired or active-duty firefighters. And every we always want to be able to give back. So uh, a, a portion of of sales, of just regular sales, go back to our, the Fire Department Coffee Charitable Foundation. But now we started the uh, Coffee, of the Month Club, and Shirt of the Month Club. So we uh, find a department. This this month is Miami-Dade. And we designed a specific logo just for them. And create a blend just for that area depending on what it is. But uh, Wisconsin, we did Green Bay. And we made it a more of a dark roast so it held up better to creams, which is obviously good for them. And then Miami-Dade is more caffeinated. Uh, you know, because I had that place just constantly moving, but, uh, so, and then, uh, $5 for every shirt, $2 for every bag of coffee goes back to, uh, the local firefighters, most likely the resilient funds, or the benevolent funds We give $10,000 to, to, uh, uh, Wisconsin or green Bay. So that was awesome.
0: Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. This is a great thing that comes together and it helps a lot of people. It must be awesome to be a part of it. it um, is. you're reaching a point now where your voice is being heard in a lot of areas, um, and it's been a very rare thing in the time I've been watching you and I've been a fan for a long time, but, um, very rarely, I think maybe two times that I can remember, have I seen a serious side of mm-hmm. Jason Patton and, mm-hmm. uh, it came out in behavioral health related, uh, topics and areas. So one of my thoughts is what messages do you have for our first responders that are struggling? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I've been serious probably twice in my, uh, my life when it comes to this stuff. Cancer, I, I try to be uh, yeah. serious-ish about, you know, but uh, I've always said from the beginning, man, you can you can tell, uh, you can express a serious subject, but still in a lighthearted manner, which makes it a lot easier for people to, you know, take in, especially when it comes to, to mental health and everything like that. So, you know, first responders in general, I, the, I like to remind them, on the daily as much as I can, that uh, you don't have to be the toughest person in the room at all times. It's not It's yeah. not always necessary, you know? We can run calls, be professional, get people to the hospital, and then come back to the station and break down, like, and talk about what we just saw or heard or whatever it is. Uh, expressing emotions is normal, whether no matter what the gamut of the emotions are. You know, being happy, and crying are both normal emotions to express but we typically only only want to express the two extremes of it like extreme anger and extreme happiness we're not comfortable in those middle ones because that's where vulnerability lies uh so you know I, i've always said expressing those things is, is is super normal and repeating those processes as often as possible makes it a lot less tumultuous on our own ego uh so that's that was uh really big for me i had to go through that man it took me a long time to be like Hey, I'm not okay today. I'm just going to like lay in bed a little bit longer than I normally do, kind of give myself a little leeway to work through the time and then get back to normal. But my big thing I tell people, and this is for everybody, don't wake up trying to be trying to be happy every day. If you wake up trying to be happy every day, that is a most likely a very unobtainable thing depending on what's going on in your life. Try to wake up being content. Just be content with the way things are. And then we can go either way, but no matter what, we always come back to the content and then we can kind of flow with the way that day goes.
0: So, you know what it sounds like is you're saying it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And that's, that's an important message. Uh, So many of our uh, first responders, um, when I get them into the treatment suite, um, you know, there's a little bit of a hero complex there. There's a little bit of, I've got to save the world. And that's one of the first bags I've got to let them unpack and yeah. go ahead and get through that um
1: yeah, I, I'm okay. Not being okay i yeah. always make a joke i say that there's 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 two the two c's are that that you get to express are the greatest things in the world the most releasing and that's uh crying is the most releasing and the other one starts with a c but i'm not going to say it uh but it's like <laughs> two of the most emotionally releasing things you can have are those two things man but it's uh You know, it's great, man. Just let it happen. Dude, I've cried like 10 minutes of crying. And after, you know, once my body kind of calms down, I'm like, man, I feel so much better, dude. And it's, it's great. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, there it is. Recognizing the release. Recognizing it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to express that is an important thing. Uh, Tell me a little bit about peer support programs. What are some of your thoughts as I go through the country and I'm trying to go ahead and get people to acknowledge the need for peer support? I'm still shocked that uh, many fire departments, police departments don't have a peer support team and even fewer have what I'm trying to go for is a clinically directed peer support team where you find a clinician you can trust and mm-hmm. nobody trusts a clinician uh, and then go ahead and, uh, you know, establish those relationships ahead of time. Um, but the value of peer support teams and some of your thoughts on that. Have you ever had a CISD? Have you been a part of that process?
1: I've, I've been, um, I've gone to peer support uh, classes. I've uh, been a part of a few CISD just because the area that I work in people don't trust, and this is my opinion, obviously, but I believe most people don't trust therapists or counselors because they tend to only go to therapists or counselors when they are at the absolute end of their rope. And they need them to be fixed in their own minds right then. Yeah, I need you to tell me one thing that makes me feel better so I can continue moving forward. That's why most people don't trust or think marriage counseling works because they wait until like both of them, absolutely, both both people hate each other. One of them's probably an infidelity at this point. The other one has moved on emotionally. So like, oh, this has got to fix us. Like, no, you guys are no longer compatible. <laughs> like, I don't think this is fixable. Maybe maybe two years ago, we could have uh, figured out some common ground, but that's why most people, at least in my opinion, don't like counselors. So I, that's why peer support is so important because when you are starting to experience something or the being symptoms of it, reaching out to someone and saying, hey man, can you give me the tools? Like I need some tools to be able to fix this. Oh, square breathing, read a good book for the, you know, the four agreements or, or whatever so we can fix those problems. Um, or at least attempt to give you the tools to repair them or get close to it. So uh, I think peer support in, in general is very important because we're not trying to catch problems when they are a DUI and, or uh, they're trying to murder somebody. We're trying to fix the problem before it diverges into a giant new, uh, you know, uh, like ma- major issue. So um, I believe in them. I believe in preventative maintenance. I believe in being uh, as preventative as possible and not always having to be reactive. So that's kind of my basic thoughts on it.
0: Oh, those are uh, some really good points to drive home Uh, and recognizing that, you know, we don't want to wait till the end. As I tell people, one of the things I I want you to do is to normalize the heck out of this, Uh, like going to a dental appointment, uh, you know, that it's a very average thing to do. Smashing the stigma. We had Michael Segrue on uh, who wrote uh, Relentless Courage. Uh, Mm -hmm. We've had Frank Viscuso on uh, for our leadership um, and to go ahead and help us with that. Um, So, peer support and being active and having a peer support team, recognizing that uh, they can't fix everything, coming to a therapist when. You're at the 11th Mm. hour. Give me a couple of good skills. And that's going to somehow fix everything. And it's going to fix 10 years of of, uh, maladaptive behaviors Mm. uh, and post-traumatic stress. And I'm going to do that in three sessions. Uh, The only people who think I can do that is an insurance company. uh, And, uh, you know, it's simply not the truth. Um, um, My journey to become a therapist uh, comes from 35 years uh, in first responder Uh, Work Uh, started out as an EMT at 17 and a paramedic at 21, uh, 15 years on the box. Uh, And then I decided I'm never going back Uh, and then did the ER, ICU, CCU, and then actually got the traditional education. Um, Mm. And I wanted to get to the bottom of first responder suicidality. And I realized that, uh, you know, everything you're saying is correct. Most of the time we wait, uh, too long, uh, mm-hmm. suicidality for our first responders is depending on which statistical study you look at five to 10 times more than what the public faces. And we see more in our lifetime. Uh, and one of the other aspects of that is, uh, the responses that they're having are not abnormal. They're actually yeah. having a very normal response to an abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. Um, And they're, you know, getting them to process that, understand it, normalize it. Uh, One of the other subjects that comes up all the time is sanctuary trauma and moral injury. And sanctuary trauma, um, a term uh, coined by the Canadians, of course. We've got to be rather polite about this, you know. Uh, So but basically what they're trying to say here is I went to my department for help. And instead of getting help, I got uh, uh, ridiculed, sidelined, pulled off the truck, uh, things of this nature. And one of the messages I have to deliver is that most of the people who come to see me, it's post-traumatic stress, not post-traumatic stress disorder if you get here fast enough highly mm-hmm. treatable and you can return to work. Um, in terms of leadership and talking to our leadership, what messages do you have for them uh, about the road to recovery and about working with our firefighters in crisis?
1: No, and I'm glad you brought up moral injury. And I've never heard the term sanctuary trauma, but I 100% see that. You know, And that, that's, that's one of the big issues is that uh, we as a culture – we can't turn to our brother or sister and go man that was a really weird call like i, I don't know if i know how to like that like that guy just looked just like my dad like that's really bad man and we we don't know as in as a culture how to go yeah, you're right, man. Like, that's that was kind of weird. You know, I always say, like, like you know, stop judging, uh, shut up and listen, and and uh, validate. Like, those are my big things. Validate, I think, is the number one thing. Just, dude, it takes nothing off you to go, yeah, that's weird, bro. That is. And then it makes people feel not crazy. So, that's, uh, I think leadership in general is willing to acknowledge things, uh, acknowledge what is happening. The problem is a lot of times they don't want to take the appropriate steps to fix it. And whether it is, uh, you know, they don't 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 want to spend the money, the budget, they don't want to put the budget aside to make sure that their guys or girls can take the time off if they need it, um, or they don't want to acknowledge it because they think if they'd acknowledge it, it's going to light a fire of people trying to take free time off. When you know, reality is anyone who's going to probably try to do that needs the time off. And I always, I, I've said this to multiple chiefs, including my own, and my chief is 10 out of 10, one of the best people I've ever dealt with when it comes to mental health. I say, you, just do your, just sit down for two minutes and do a quick calculation. What is it going to cost you in overtime? And which is most times just overtime. What is it going to cost you in overtime to send Jim or, or William over to a treatment facility for 30 days so we can get some substance use and mental health treatment and then come back a better employee or a better human to be a better employee versus. The $2 million lawsuit we're going to have against us because he showed up here drunk or punched a patient right in the face because he couldn't take it anymore. Like, I don't know a lot about math, but I'm pretty sure one's going to cost a little bit more. So, like, that's, that was, you know, those are what I try to tell people. Like, I know it's so hard to look in the future but or, or think have forward thinking when it comes to these things but the abusers are so little versus the people that actually need it. And the preventative is, is so useful in our career.
0: I agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, And this I think is, is a part of the job of education. Uh, We try to focus in three areas and they're all psychological. Um, The psychology of the self. Uh, I teach the paramedic program. I'm still certified uh, to, to uh, as an EMS instructor and coordinator in Texas. And, Mm -hmm. and, not one page in the EMT manual or the paramedic manuals, and I have most of them, addresses our own psychology. Not yeah. one page in all of that training about how to be, live psychologically healthy. And most of the time uh, when I'm uh, talking to firefighters at the station about their own psychological health, uh, they're eating a cheeseburger, looking up at me being very unhealthy. At least our registered nurses got a one psych class and one nutrition class out of the deal. Yeah. Um, but the paramedics get nothing. Uh, The next area is how we treat the public. Uh, Most paramedic manuals have maybe 15 pages, 20 pages on behavioral health. And those pages are uh, mostly about uh, physical or chemical restraint of the patient, um, Mm -hmm. scene safety, uh, and taking them down uh, in a manner where you don't get hurt. Uh, Nothing about de-escalation, nothing about... Uh, the psychology of mental illness, nothing about understanding uh, what a psychotic break or a schizophrenic episode looks like. Um, so none of that training is in there. Um, and as what went into the creation of the Institute is I was trying to solve first responder suicidality. I'm going to create a couple of courses and this is going to fix it. And then I had to come to terms with the fact, no, it's not. Uh, The problem is much, much bigger. um, And it it stems from a lack of education. And that's when I realized uh, we needed to become an educational institution. The third part that we teach around here is the organizational development piece, organizational psychology, as it's called. uh, Leadership development. Because our leaders don't understand most of them were promoted from within because they were just great firefighters. And that's an important thing to put in your leadership. But they haven't had one OD class, uh, one class on understanding how to go ahead and lead from the front. Um, So there's a tendency to get a little bit confused up there or not understand that you could potentially uh, be doing damage um, and be a contributing factor uh, in first responder suicidality.
1: Yeah. But I also say – you know, I had this conversation about or the, my last shift about uh, promotions and how, you know, guys are like, that guy's not a good captain or that girl's not a good captain. And, and I'm like, how long have they been in that position? Like a month? Like, what do you expect? Like they're, they don't know what the hell they're doing, man. They just passed the test and now they're figuring it out. Same, things have, same thing happens with Chiefs. Yeah. You so you you stick a chief up there and then you're like solve everyone's problems like that's not physically possible. Uh, a because firefighters hate the way things are and change. So it's like literally impossible to fix anything. You know, um, And then, you know, on top of that, you they don't know how to. They need time to develop. And the worst part about all of it is. I would imagine that Chiefs is the shortest career span in the entire, like, the, like because they can't do it for so, it's, it's like being the president, man. You can only do it for so long. Because every single problem you solve, there's some jerkwad that's going, ah we could have had, we could have got a 60 pound dumbbells. Like, all you got was 55, like, you suck, man. <laughs> so the, uh, it like, look, I get it. I, I've been an naysayer at some point in time in my career. We all have, and it takes time, man. Like, all this stuff takes time. I agree with you. De-escalation uh, stuff is very important. Some of us possess the ability to do it. Some people don't. I am, I am fine in situations, uh, but it is very hard for me to be like, overly empathetic when I'm staring at someone that I know has just called me because they just want to go to the hospital for a sandwich. And I'm like, ah, this, this is testing my patience." this guy. I'm like, So I, I get it, I get it. Uh, but in like true psychological problems, the same thing with police, police, uh, dude, you can't tell me someone's going to be a good cop after six weeks of training or whatever the hell their stuff is. It's not, and it is literally not their fault. They are set up for failure. So like, <laughs> It needs to be a two year course and going through like bait, like a year of it needs to be like uh, mental health and and therapy and and like how to deescalate problems, because that's what their job is. Most of the time is just trying to stop situations from getting worse, which sometimes you just can't help it. But it's really hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's when I realized we needed to go ahead and address all three areas. Um, and I tried to do this at community colleges and at universities, um, and they couldn't move fast enough. One of my Mm -hmm. firefighters looked up at me and said, dude, you don't need a university. You need a platform. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh shit. Uh, and he was right. And, uh, the first responder behavioral health Institute was born. Um, it started with, um, uh, out of an outgrowth of what I was teaching because uh, I still to this day run a crisis response team and uh, we do police and fire CISDs um, and we come out for line of duty deaths we come out for uh, tragic events and we do these debriefings. Um, yeah but it started there it started within the fire service and it started as part of my commitment. Uh, we started getting mutual aided all over. I was 75 percent of my calls were in other jurisdictions. It Mm -hmm. folded into my primary day job, the Counseling Center of Texas. And we Mm -hmm. ran that statewide for a while. And now, as I tried to continue to teach, it folded into a new organization, the First Responder Behavioral Health Institute. Um, And now as I'm moving forward, pretty much everybody I've called has been uh, so supportive once they found out what I was trying to do. Um, yeah. Uh, Frank Viscuso. the second I spoke to him, he was so kind and gracious with his time mm-hmm. and his energy. And he's like, you got to do this thing, Joe. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I love him for it, but his messages of leadership uh, definitely hit that third tier and the third pillar. Uh, and when I was like asking myself, okay, at the bottom line, man, What is killing our first responders? They don't have psychology of the self, they don't even understand it. Psychology of the public, they're getting nothing. And Mm -hmm. you're right, and police officers get even less. So most of their training is about 20 weeks. Um Mm -hmm. in Texas, we have something called a mental health police officer course. It's a 40-hour course, uh, but you know, less than 10% of all law enforcement officers take this course. Um, Mm -hmm. and and we got to get more courses out there like that. And then the organizational development. Uh, which is where we try to bring in leaders like Frank and, and others to go ahead and deliver these messages uh, to help us uh, really bolster this up. Uh, But it can't be done overnight. Neither Mm -hmm. can therapy. Um, And that's one of the things that people are, uh, you're right. They wait till the 11th hour to come to see me. Um, The reason I'm able to do this job that I do is because I'm still in therapy. I have a very brilliant board certified psychotherapist, especially because I go out and do the CISDs. If something's too triggering, you know i get him on the phone and say i you know like to get a, an appointment in this week man this is i just took a double, double homicide for a city or i just took a child drowning and uh, so i keep somebody um on speed dial uh and i am a product of the medicine i prescribe you know yeah. so uh the average course of of psychology psychotherapy is is 3 to 6 years once to twice a week of really yeah. getting into your stuff um but it's the magic of what starts to happen afterwards. Uh, It's that first responder uh, who has gone from four fire departments in 10 years (laughs) because he got angry at somebody and snapped at him and then moved on and moved on. And Mm -hmm. then uh, one I'm thinking of in particular now has been with the department for six years. They asked him, please take the engineer's exam. Please take the captain's exam. We love your leadership. And he sits with me once a week and says, they don't understand And they're still not at a place where they will understand uh, Mm -hmm. why he's such an advocate for peer support, why he's always taking care of them and making sure their voices are heard. He's like, I am the product of great counseling and therapy. And now he's being promoted. He's in a long term relationship and that's growing. And those things were on the rocks, as you said. Same is true of the marriage uh, and family counselors. Uh, No one wants to go see them till the 11th hour. And then all I have left to do is say, Okay guys, too yeah. so much, too much fighting, no incompatibility. Um, and, uh, one of the best marriage and family therapists I ever met, uh, said, it's a lot like cancer. You get in mm-hmm. a level one or two, I can do a lot with you and we can get to this. You wait till it's stage four cancer and walk through the door and I'm supposed to perform a miracle. It's just not going to yeah. happen.
1: Yep. Yeah. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. So, um, Let me go ahead and um, uh, for the people who don't know what you do and haven't had the privilege of seeing uh, your work, I'm going to go ahead and cut away to one of your segments and give them a chance to look at that. And we'll be right back.
1: Oh, looks like years of eating like a raving psychopath has finally caught up to Jason and he's choking all by himself. Wonder what he's gonna do here. Most people are gonna go for the old trusty cell phone, but unfortunately that's not gonna work. You see, you can't talk to, you can't call 911, and text to 911 is only available in certain areas, so you're gonna have to get this baby out yourself. What you need is a chair, a table, or a countertop that you're gonna fall on. I know what you're saying to yourself right now, but Jason, isn't that gonna hurt? (laughs) Yeah, probably, but you know what's gonna hurt worse? Dying. Now all you have to do to get rid of that pesky airway obstruction is pick your tool of choice, fall on top of it, hitting yourself just below the rib cage. But what if it doesn't come out? Get outside the middle of your lawn, your neighbor's house, literally anywhere except for in your home, by yourself, dying. Look, if you brought a stool to the middle of your lawn and started falling on top of it, someone's gonna call 911. But the most important thing you can do is remain as calm as possible. Because the calmer you are, the longer you can remain conscious to hopefully help yourself to live and eat another day. Good luck.
0: Uh, oh my goodness. All right. So that gives people just a taste of, of what some of your comedy like and what some of your work is like. Um, one of the things I want to ask you is um, about uh, speaking engagements and things that you do. Uh, I understand you have a one hour lecture. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, I, I'd gone to some incredible mental health uh, conferences and symposiums and I'm watching people speak and it is it was really, really, really incredible to watch what was out there. Watching, uh, you know, therapists that are that are really diving into the brain and the physiological changes of, of PTS and and like true PTSD, where you're starting to have those those actual issues sleeping or or you know uh, multiple episodes, uh, you know, stuff like that. Watching that and seeing the physiological changes of like super super high cortisol levels in the brain over periods of time, you know, shrinking that frontal lobe and like people literally not understanding that. That they're killing themselves because they don't know that they're going to kill themselves, and it was really incredible to see that, and then seeing the other side of it with uh, you know people telling their stories, where they're telling these stories of how they got to the depths of like the lowest of the depths, and then made their way back, and here they are. What I what I really realized was that at least for me, I, it, I wanted to be in between there. I wanted to tell my story, a very small piece of it, and then also very lightly touch on some of the physiological stuff because I am not, I do not have a, a, I'm not board certified. I don't have, you know, any great depths of education in this, but I wanted to find something that kind of fit in between those. So if I did happen to go to a symposium, I could kind of like be a filler of some comedic looks at what the human emotions are like. And mine is literally called How to Hug 101. It's just the basics of human emotions. I called it that because I want people to listen to me blabber for 45 Five minutes give like this is like like uh I could teach just to elementary school kids like that's that's how like basic I wanted it and all it is is just a 45 minute session on expressing emotions is normal man that's it. It's just expressing emotions and how the uh, practicing those things over and over again over a period of time and finding balance will actually allow you to be a much healthier person and make it to the place that we all want to make it to retirements like that's that's what we all want to make it to. So uh, just real basic stuff. Forty five minutes to an hour. We have a good time and it's fun. Nice.
0: So if people want to reach out and ask you for that lecture or just to get a hold of you in general, what's the best way to contact you?
1: Uh, so you can just email me Jason at firedeptcoffee.com.
0: Okay, good enough. Good enough. Uh, Jason, la, um, uh, last thoughts to our firefighters and paramedics uh, that are struggling, that are doing well. Uh, any last words as we start to wrap yep. up?
1: Absolutely. Look, you you're, you're never alone. Right? So you always have someone to reach out to. And sometimes a a two-minute conversation could change your life. It could change just your ability to express yourself, practicing that as much as possible, talk to people about it. Yes, if you're crying on every call that you go to, it might be time to take some time off. Uh, But for just the basic daily stuff, man, like talk to people, you're never alone. And sometimes, this is a big one, sometimes you're gonna go to a therapist and you're gonna sit there for an hour and talk to the therapist And you're going to realize that wasn't my kind of therapist. Let me go to a different one. And then sometimes you got to go. I went through four therapists and then I found one that was very like spiritual in her thought processes and the universe and all that fun stuff. And it was something she said to me that I was like, I can talk to you. And it was perfect. So don't ever give up.
0: There you go. Jason, thank you for saying that. And you're right. You know, you wouldn't uh, what I try to tell people in my talks is when would you stop trying to teach a child to walk? And the answer is when they're walking. You know, when do you stop trying to find a therapist? The answer is when you found one. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you for your lighthearted sense of humor uh, for the impact that you're making in the fire service. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and end the show by cutting away to another one of your segments. So uh, that we can go ahead and enjoy that. And uh, thank you for being on this episode of En Route, my friend, we appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Joe, appreciate it, brother. Why would you think taking Benadryl and eating shellfish is a good idea when you know you're allergic to it? All right, so you wanna to go to the hospital because both of your livers hurt. I really like the taste of shellfish. I mean, it worked the first 15 times. How many times? So you want me to take you to the hospital because your hands are dry? Hey, how are you back here? I just dropped you off at the hospital 15 minutes ago. Man, the wait was way too long over there, bro. So my buddy picked me up and bring me back here. (sighs) No, man, we can't stop and get Taco Bell on the way to the hospital. Can you guys give me a ride over to Northwest Hospital? So you twisted your ankle yesterday at 4 p.m., but didn't call us till 3 a.m. because you didn't want to on
0: your date. I'm Joseph Bergandi. Thank you for joining us for this episode of InRoute. InRoute is a production of the First Responder Behavioral Health Institute. To learn more about us, head on over to frbhi.com.